It's so good to be back with you at Christchurch. Uh, my name's Andy. For those of you who don't know me, I'm part of the Open Doors staff team. I've been serving with Open Doors now for just over seven years. And I live in Birmingham with my wife, Michelle, and we have three daughters, Ruby, Alana and Keris. And we're part of Riverside Church here in Birmingham, which Tim Chilvers is the, is the lead pastor. And I know many of you will know Tim and Claire Chilvers and their two boys, Caleb and Noah, very well, because they used to be part of your family uh, there at Christ Church Surbiton. Uh, and here at Open Doors, we each year we produce the World Watch List. And I'd just like to show you a short video, which takes you through the top 10 countries on the World Watch List, where it's most dangerous to live as a follower of Jesus. And it will introduce you a little bit to the work of Open Doors. Let's watch that video now. What if your church had to meet in secret? What if spies watched your every move? What if following Jesus meant you faced violence or even death? Millions of Christians around the world experience these kinds of challenges every day. And these are the top 10 countries where faith costs the most. Number 10, India. Hindu extremists want to rid India of Christians and they are prepared to use extreme violence to achieve their goal. At number nine, Nigeria, where more Christians are murdered for their faith than in any other country in the world. Iran is at number eight. Secret house churches risk being raided by the police. If caught, be prepared for a long prison sentence. Number seven, Yemen, a war-torn country where Christians, if discovered, face the death penalty. Eritrea is at number six. If your faith is discovered, you can be imprisoned without trial in appalling conditions. Often, your loved ones don't even know if you're still alive. Number five, Pakistan. Say the wrong thing in Pakistan, and the notorious blasphemy laws could see you accused of insulting Islam and sentenced to death. At number four is Libya, a lawless land with no freedom of speech or belief. Somalia is number three on the list. Somali Christians can't reveal their faith to anyone or they could be killed, even by their own families. Number two is Afghanistan. If they find out you're a Christian, you have a stark choice. Flee the country or be killed. And at number one, North Korea, the most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian. Informants are everywhere. Discovery means death, either by execution or by being worked to death in a labor camp. At least 340 million Christians around the world experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. What if you could help them? For 65 years, Open Doors has stood alongside the persecuted church, strengthening Christians who dare to follow Jesus, no matter the cost. Your prayers and gifts enable our underground networks to reach millions of Christians with emergency food and aid, spiritual care, smuggled Bibles and Christian books, training and legal advice. But more than that, your support 
means that persecuted Christians know that they are not forgotten, not alone. After all, these are not strangers and they are not statistics. They are our brothers and sisters and they need our help. Here at Open Doors, we do our best to keep you informed of what's happening around the world with our persecuted family. And one of the ways we do that is by producing a little booklet which takes you through the top 50 countries of the World Watch List, telling you a little bit about the country, the source of persecution, what it's like for Christians living today in that country, and then three simple prayer points to help you pray for and stand with the persecuted church. If you'd like to receive a free copy of that booklet, then we'd love to send you one. And you can, and you can do that by going to our website, opendoorsuk.org, or by using this QR code that will take you straight to the page where you can order your free copy of that booklet. There's also a place there where you can post a prayer for your persecuted family, and we'll gladly send that on. And there's also an opportunity there for you to give a gift if you would like to do that to support the persecuted church around the world. I know at Christchurch you've been going through uh, the Gospel of Mark and today we're going to have a look at Mark chapter 13 and uh, in verse 1 and 2 Jesus talks about the destruction of the temple. The disciples ask when are all these things going to happen? And for the rest of the chapter, Jesus talks about the signs of the end times and tells them to keep watch and be ready for his return. He lists things that will happen, things like wars and famines and earthquakes. And in verse 9, Jesus says this, you must be on your guard. You must be ready. You must keep watch. Be on your guard you'll be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Here, Jesus is, is warning them what's gonna happen, telling them that they are going to be handed over to the councils and flogged in the synagogue in the synagogues they're going to be in trouble for following Jesus but Jesus says straight after this and the gospel must first be preached to all nations don't let that put you off this we still need to preach the gospel Jesus is saying to his disciples to all nations and then in verse 11, Jesus says, whenever you, you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Notice the first word Jesus uses here, whenever. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial. Not if you are arrested and brought to trial. As if it's inevitable that by following Jesus, they're gonna get into trouble. It's gonna to lead to their arrests and trial and possibly prison. I think if I'd been one of the disciples there listening to Jesus say that, I think I might've thought, hang on a minute, Jesus. 
You mean if I follow you, if I, if I preach the gospel, then I'm going to end up in prison? I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. And, and then Jesus says in verse 12, brother will be betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel, sorry, will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Sometimes I wonder if we spend too much time as church here in the UK trying to be relevant, trying to make Jesus nice and attractive, trying not to upset people too much. But here Jesus says quite clearly, everyone will hate you because of me. For our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world, they know what that really means. They see that firsthand. And, and maybe we see that to, to some extent. Maybe there are some people who, who you know you've spoken to about Jesus and the reaction has been really strong. And there's almost been that, that sense of not wanting to talk to you or, or even be friends with you as a, as a result of that. And maybe you've lost some friendships or upset some family members because of your faith in Jesus and because you're following Jesus. And Jesus says that you're blessed because of that. And then Jesus says at the end of verse 13, but the one who stands firm till the end will be saved. And I want to encourage you today that, you know, no matter what, what uh, opposition comes our way, no matter what tries to pull us away from following Jesus, I want to encourage us to be determined to stand firm till the end. I love that song that talks about, you know, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. I want to encourage us this morning to, to maybe recommit our lives to Jesus again, to follow him no matter what, no turning back. Does that mean we can't have any doubts or mess up sometimes? No, of course not. Peter messed up, didn't he? In the next chapter in Mark 14, when Jesus predicts his betrayal and Peter says, there's no way I'll deny you, Jesus. And a few verses later, Peter denies Jesus three times. Later, he recognises his mistake straight away. And when he sees Jesus after the resurrection that we celebrated last week, Jesus forgives Peter and Peter is, is able to carry on again and to stand firm in following Jesus. And you know, when we mess up, when we get it wrong, I believe standing firm is about recognising that and about coming to Jesus in repentance, saying we're sorry, asking him to forgive us cleanse us and then we move on we continue following Jesus we don't let those things defeat us and pull us down but we but we stand firm following Jesus knowing that he's forgiven us and that he makes us right again and pure again and able to follow him 
Millions of our brothers and sisters around the world are rejected today for obeying Jesus's authority, choosing to follow Jesus no matter the cost. And I'd love to share just a couple of stories with you. I met a man named Mujdabar just before lockdown. He's from Iran. He's a pastor of two churches in Iran. And he was twice put in prison for following Jesus and for leading two churches. And he said it was really, um, really difficult. He was imprisoned in the infamous Evin prison for over three years. And in the darkness of his prison cell, God was present and at work. But Mujtaba didn't see it that way at first. He said, I had this feeling that if I'm in prison now, it's about my sin. It's about my faults. It's about what I did bad and God punishing me. One day God spoke to me and I felt strongly, Mujtaba, stop being selfish. If you are in prison now, it's not because of you. It's about me. Look around yourself. And I looked around myself and I saw people, poor people, many people that had done bad crimes, many bad experiences in their lives. And I saw the doors, the huge gates of the prison and the big locks of the doors and how secure it is. No one can enter the prison and start to evangelize. But it was an inner voice that said, look, I took you through these doors and gates here to evangelize people, to talk to people about Jesus. You see, Mujdabar saw an incredible opportunity God had placed before him. And he began talking about his faith with other prisoners. And some of them accepted Jesus too. Mujtabar said, I never prayed for God to release me from prison. It doesn't matter what situation I'm in. I can work in God's kingdom wherever God places me. It doesn't matter if it's in prison or if it's out of prison, because persecution will take the gospel to places where nothing else can. When I met with Mujtabar, I remember him saying how difficult he found those first few years when he was in solitary confinement. He said it was just him in that cell in a small space and he found it really difficult. But he said he managed to get to a point where he was able to say, I would rather go through the pain of solitary confinement than the pain of a life without Jesus. He said the thing that kept him going, the thing that really held him through was knowing that there were people around the world who were praying for him, who were standing with him. He said it was that that helped him stand strong and keep going. I'd like to share one more story with you of a man named Wang Mindao from China. Wang Mindao, uh, was, uh, this was during the Cultural Revolution in China, and he was sentenced to 22 and a half years in prison for being a follower of Jesus and for leading the church. And he said that towards the end of his sentence, an officer came to him and at a weak moment said to him, Awamindel, sign this declaration where you deny your faith in Jesus and we'll let you go, we'll set you free. And he signed that declaration. 
and they let him go and he walked away. And he says as he walked away, he realized he'd made a big mistake. And so he turned around and he went back to the prison. He said, sign that declaration up. He said, I refuse to deny my faith in Jesus. He said, for the rest of my life, I'm going to follow Jesus. And they put him back in prison. They sentenced him to a further 22 and a half years. And he said in the second um, sentence when he was in prison again, they put him in solitary confinement and he found it so difficult. He said that he was an evangelist and he loved telling people the, go the gospel of Jesus. And he said that, you know, in a prison cell on his own, how could he do that? And he found it really hard and he asked God why. And as he was praying, he heard a noise. He heard people talking and it was coming from the toilet in the corner of his cell. Now, this isn't a toilet as we know it. This was a hole in the ground. But he said he realized that all the pipes from all the other toilets of all the other cells were um, all, all connected. And so he decided that he was going to preach the gospel down the toilet so that the other prisoners in the other cells could hear. And he did this for seven years. And for those seven years, he didn't meet any other prisoners. He was in solitary confinement all that time. But after seven years, when he was able to speak to some of the other prisoners, he discovered that in those seven years, 96 prisoners came to faith in Jesus. Isn't that incredible? He said, I had no Bible, no pulpit, no audience, no pen and paper. I could do nothing, nothing except get to know God. And for 20 years, that was the greatest relationship I had ever known. When I was in the cell, the only thing I was focused on was getting to know God. It was Jesus in me, in that cell. And then he said this. He said, you need to build yourself a cell where it's only you and Jesus. What a challenge. I found that so challenging to think, what does that mean for me today to build a cell where it's only me and Jesus? You know, that could be a, a chair that you sit on where you know when you're sat on that chair, that's the place where you pray and you read your Bible and you connect with Jesus. Or it might be a, a room in the house or it might be when you go for a walk out in the country. That's when I, um, that's what I love to do when I pray and connect with Jesus. And whatever that is for you, I want to encourage you today to build yourself a cell where it's only you and Jesus. Let's find that space so that we can stand firm to the end. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your promise in Mark 13 that the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us to stand firm to the end, to keep following you, Jesus. Thank you for our brothers and sisters around the world who face persecution and the way they are willing to follow you no matter the cost. Thank you that you are with them today. Give them the strength to stand firm 
and help us to stand firm to the end too. We ask this in your precious name, for your kingdom, for your glory. Amen.